Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Ohioan Podcast. Craig Schaub here with George Thomas from the Akron, Akron Beacon Journal, terrific sports journalist and also a film critic as well. George, how are you doing today? I'm semi-comatose. You can <laughs> well, tell I'm taking yeah, the time to shave and everything. Well, we got that Miami Vice scruffy look going, don't we? Well, yeah. I, I usually do that. I do the uh, once a week shave. My wife hates my beard. Last week, I, I tried to really make her angry by shaving everything except for my mustache, which I grow a terrible mustache. And she gave me the, the death stare that I thought I would never come back from. So I quickly shaved it off after she said, no, get it out. So, um, but she, she does not like the, uh, the Miami Vice scruff look, though. Yeah, I get that. <laughs> All right, George. Well, we, uh, we took a week off, but uh, we have some things that we can discuss today. A couple of uh, big summer blockbusters, one that went straight to streaming, another that will hopefully revive the box office. We're going to start here with F9. The Fast Saga, the ninth movie in the series. Well, you know, I mean, what do you what do you think about the Fast, the Fast and Furious series in general, and what do you think about Fast Nine or F Nine? I'm sorry. You don't. You have to fully appreciate how what how I feel about this because I reviewed the first movie right years ago. Right. So it's like, really, really, I'm I'm this old now. Okay. <laughs> The Fast Saga in general, you know, I've missed a couple of them. I haven't okay. seen them all. I've generally liked the last five or so, primarily because they're, they're, they've all been summer movie releases. Whoever's directed them, and I think uh, Justin Lin will eventually right. take over as the director who has the most under his belt. They understand the franchise and basically what it is. It's fast cars, some fisticuffs, a little martial arts, (laughs) dumb one-liners, and lots of car car crashes and chases. And it's meant to be escapist dumb fun. So guess what? It's escapist dumb fun. (laughs) Now, they they ramp up the absurdity level on this one. I don't know when everybody's going to see this one, but when you got members of Dom Toretto's crew going into space in a Pontiac Fiero, (laughs) it's like, okay, they're not even, they're not even pretending anymore. Um, Now I, for me, it was a perfect movie just to even at two and a half hours. Why is this movie two and a half hours? Especially was, how fast the cars are, right? Oh man! But it was—it was the that two, in fairness, the two and a half hours breeze by. Right. It was just a way to escape for me. I saw it at three o'clock on a, on a earlier this week, and it was just a way to escape. It 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 accomplishes its it, what it wants to do. You can't hate on it for for that, and it, it's a summer movie. And you don't if you don't go in with high expectations, you won't be disappointed. Yeah, I mean, Justin Lin uh, really uh, has developed this this talent for the absurdity, you know, really extravagant set pieces in his other previous uh, Fast and Furious movies, also in uh, Star Trek as well. He's he's behind the camera there. So he's, you know, he's really kind of mastered this B-movie over the top, how much more 
defying of physics can we be? He's kind of found a niche as a director, though, doing all of this. Oh, absolutely. And, and, and we'll give him some credit for, for the script because you know what? For a change, the most interesting thing wasn't necessarily the stunts. It's the backstory they give Dom and his brother, who's played by John Cena. Imagine the, 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 the dialogue flying between those two. <laughs> but yeah, he's, he's found his niche. His Star Trek films is one of my favorites of all the Star Trek films because he, he found something different to do there. Um, he ramped up the action there and didn't hurt the franchise at all. Sure. Um, you know, but <laughs> again, absurd. Yeah, I think you're right, though, with that. That word is perfect for this franchise. I think the franchise has gotten more complete and better the more absurd it's become. Yeah. Like at first, it was kind of playing it straight, like we were supposed to like care about street racing, and and it, and it was still it was on the top to a degree with the one-liners and a terrible script. But really, when they they started finding their niche, and I think why they've been able to make nine of these is because they they try to outdo themselves time and time again. And generally speaking, they've been doing it while they still are able to do that with having great actors and actresses like Charlize Theron, Helen Mirren, you know, people like that come into this franchise and, you know, populate this world of over the top dialogue, over the top action. And it kind of just works, doesn't it? Well, it, it, it says, a, it's, it speaks a lot to the franchise that you've got two Oscar winners sure. who want to participate. And mind you, uh, Helen Mirren is my 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 uber crush. I lo I love that woman. She has aged gracefully. Sure. She's she's intelligent as all hell, and she's sorry. I'm gonna be sexist. She's gorgeous. So, <laughs> Shirley's the wrong. Did you see the first Mission Impossible movie? Yeah, the very first one. Yeah, the train scene between Vanessa Redgrave and Tom Cruise, where Vanessa Redgrave is just so good. It feels like she's playing with, a, she's a cat playing with a mouse before <laughs> she bites his head off. Right. That's what Charlize Theron does in this movie. Dealing with Dom, dealing with 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 his, his brother Jacob. It's like, she's up to, she's just having fun. And she's great. She's fantastic. So, you know, it's fun. It's, it's fun because, you know, she's a great actress. She's done so many great things. But now it's good to see her kind of cash in a little bit, too, and get those, you know, those easy checks, so to speak. I mean, obviously, you could probably say, you know, Mad Max Fury Road was kind of the, the combination of getting a big check, but also making something really awesome as well, not just some popcorn entertainment. But it's good to see people like her and Helen Mirren get some of these, you know, cakewalk roles where they can get some money bring a little bit of gravitas to the cast, but then also just have a little fun with it and not have to be so serious like you may see her in Monster or Helen Mirren in so many things that she's been in. So it's always fun to see that they have this nucleus of cast members, Vin Diesel, uh, Ludacris, people like that, Tyrese Gibson. But then they're also able to bring in some of these A-listers or people that have so much gravitas towards them that it really heightens the script, heightens the action going on around them. And it almost kind of makes it give give some validity to the series when you see some of these these home run hitters on there, thinking, "Well, if Charlize Theron's in this movie, it must be pretty good, right?" So, absolutely. And so, what, you, what was your final grade for this one? I gave it a 
B, B minus. But the best part was was get, watching Helen Mirren as Queenie get to drive. I don't know. I don't remember what she was driving, but she was tooling around in London in something nice. So. Right. You know, I have to admit, uh, I have not seen every Fast and Furious movie. I've seen most of them, but I've actually probably seen fewer of the better ones, to be honest with you. But I'm probably one of the only people that is a fan of Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift, I have to admit. I found that to be very entertaining and kind of fun in a fish-out-of-water type scenario. I kind of like Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift. You're going to love it because they're bringing everybody back. All right. Well, I know Han's back, so that's that's fun to see. Others are back. Okay, great. Perfect. Well, I can't wait to get into, I can't wait to get into that. Well, speaking of fish out of water like Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift, we have a fish out of water story coming to Disney Plus. It's streaming right now. It came out last week. Uh, the the newest Pixar animated film Luca. Now, I saw your review on this. I'm not going to necessarily get into a, a boxing match with you on this, but I liked it. I know you didn't, and I can understand why you didn't like it, but I'll tell you why I enjoyed it. But let's go into what you think about Luca, the new Disney Pixar film. It's a mishmash of other stuff, including The Little Mermaid. And right. it's, I, if you read my review, you know I, I wrote. It's like I half expected the main character to sing part of my world. Right. Part of their world. It, it, it was like, really? Yeah. And I, I was The person I was watching with that night, I, I looked at him, I said, this is a Little Mermaid for dudes, for for guys, and and they couldn't disagree. So yeah, that's one problem. The film is gorgeous; it's Pixar, mm. but they also they they crib from a a couple other films, and you know it, it didn't have the originality you come to to expect. And I have to imagine. Disney knew that because number one, it went straight to Disney Plus. Right. Notice that it didn't go to Disney Plus premiere. Right. So that told me a lot right there. I I just could not get it. The best thing I could say about it, and mind you, there are plenty of worse animated films, but the best thing for me is that it was 85 minutes. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I mean, I, I will say this. For about the first half hour, and my wife and I watched this movie together, for about the first half hour, I was kind of right there with you. I was like, this is kind of slogging through. It's too familiar. We've seen this stuff before, fish out of water, Little Mermaid stuff, whatever you want to call it. Uh, we never really get like exact answers as to why Luca's parents don't want him to you know, go above the sea and show his human face, uh, so to speak. Obviously, there's a fear of the, of the man, aliens or whatever they call them. So I, 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 for the first half hour, I was like, this is not going anywhere for me. It's got to get better. It's, this is not Pixar to me. Once it gets above, above sea level, I think it works for me. So, and I think because of that, I, overall, I enjoyed the film as a totality. I did not think the first half hour was very good. I was not ready to turn it off or anything, but I was ready to say, look, this is, this is a, way, a big swing and a miss for Pixar, um, especially on the heels of Soul which was a terrific film and well worthy of its praise and its Oscar. Um, and this was a really big step down from Soul, but I still have to say that I enjoyed it because we do get the, the familiarity with Fish Out of Water, but it is, it's gorgeous to look at. It's rendered beautifully. Um, I also will say this, and, I, and maybe it's just me being trying to be too sensitive to the thing, but I thought they had a really strange culturally insensitive material in the movie 
in the triathlon where you have to, to bike, swim, and eat pasta was the triathlon. That, that seemed a little, I, the, in the minute I told my wife, I said, that seemed like the biggest culturally insensitive thing to ever have in a movie that's supposed to be like a love letter to Italians in Italy and, you know, to the Riviera. So it seemed weird. Uh, but then one thing that kind of stood out to me is um, this kind of seemed, and I don't know if you agree with this or not, but it kind of seemed like Pixar's first real outwardly gay movie where it supported LGBTQ um, with Luca and Alberto developing this maybe more than friendship, who knows, but at least a friendship. But, you know, they were both sea monsters who were out, you know, hiding their identities on human soil, just looking like normal boys. And they were kind of hiding them and, you know, hiding their secret. But then also, you know, they were kind of vilified by some of the townspeople saying that they're monsters, things like that. So it kind of spoke a little bit more of a broader, maybe this is like an LGBTQ type of film that Pixar. I just wish it could have been better executed. Yeah. And then, I was a surprised. And, and I, I think I wrote what you said in my review. Coming off a of soul which I view as a Pixar's 21st century masterpiece. Coming off, off, off of Soul, it's like, what's going on here? Yeah. So, you know, to each their own. I, if, if, if you like it, great. If, <laughs> I, I get it, but yeah. I won't be watching it again. I won't, I won't be adding it to my Pixar collection. Right. So yeah, This is one that I would beat down the door to watch again um obviously it's on disney plus so if there's ever a time hey you know you want to watch it whatever but it's definitely a major step down from what we've seen pixar at its best which i you know I, i'm kind of in the mindset that pixar has made a lot of great movies and they've made a lot of really good movies i don't know that i'd say that pixar's made any bad movies this is probably on the lower end of the pixar scale for me and like you said, coming off a movie like Soul, which also too is free and was released free on Disney Plus, which was a huge surprise for me. And I'm glad they did because it gave me a chance to watch it when I wanted to. And I love that film. It was a terrific movie. And it it gave me the, the same feelings that, you know, Up and Wally -E and Ratatouille and a lot of other great, you know, standalone Pixar movies that were original and and meant more and, and had emotion like Inside Out, those kind of movies that really, you know, really beat down the door and said, this is why Pixar was the gold standard for 20 plus years or so it's seen in the animation game. I agree wholeheartedly. I, I, it's just, I was flummoxed. That's the best way to put it. My wife is not a fan of your review there. Uh, she liked it a lot. She liked it a lot more than I did, but I, I ended up giving it three stars. What did you give it, George? I think I gave it a C plus. Okay. All right, well, you know, to each your own, uh, you know, uh, obviously there's some fun voice casts. There's some, you know, gags like you normally see with Pixar. Not for everybody. Like I said, I think the last hour probably soars a lot more than the uh, 30 or 35 minutes that opened it under the sea, which was just not very good Pixar movie. It, it just really wasn't. So, um, unfortunately, we a little disagreement there, but, um, you know, that happens. It's not, not a bad thing. So, Luca, you know to each your own, you know, you might like it, you might not, but uh, let's move on here looking at uh, something that you wrote here a couple of days ago about sports. Uh, there's been talks that maybe there might become a, uh, 
a regional Valley Sports Network instead of being a part of a cable package. They might branch out or at least have an option for sort of an a la carte streaming service uh, that may or may not cost a lot of money. George, tell us a little bit about this Valley Sports uh, Great Lakes, Valley Sports Ohio, and just the Valley Sports uh, option of cord cutting here maybe coming up next year. Well, according to reports in the the Valley Sports, the Sinclair Broadcasting earnings call a couple weeks ago, they're looking at a $23 a month standalone app, which would by far, by at least, let's call it 20%, make them the most expensive app on the market beating Netflix's top tier. Um, to get to those individuals, I could see them wanting to get to those individuals who something like a YouTube TV or Hulu with, with live TV or either or Dish Network, I think cut broke away. Um, Direct TV broke away, I think. Um, the the only way to get Valley Sports is with streaming wise is with AT and T TV, and um, trying to remember. No, you can still get it on Direct TV. Off the top of my head, forgive me. But and, and cable packages. So they're looking to bring those the, the ones who lost out with uh, YouTube TV, Hulu Live TV. And, and the other streaming live TV services that basically dump their regional sports networks. Part of me gets that. The problem is the economics don't work for me and the situation doesn't work for me. And the only, only way I could figure out to explain that was to compare it to the movie business. Right. <laughs> Which it, it makes sense. I mean, they need another revenue stream. All right. You know, all of their money, most of their money comes from subscriber fees from from cable operators. That's how they're getting paid. That's how all the networks get most of their money now. Cable operators. Um, for them to branch out with a standalone app, they risk alienating them. Because if I'm a cable operator and you're giving my, my customers a standalone option, it gives them the option of cutting the rest of my stuff that they some might view that they don't need. There are some who are content, who would be content with just going with a, a regional sports network and whatever streaming service, not YouTube TV, not Hulu, not live streaming service, or just something that's basically video on demand. There's, and, and, and let's face it, in these days around here, low cast is an option. An inexpensive right. option. You 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 put together an app like a, a Valley Sports app with low cast for local te local television and your favorite video on demand streaming app. You're in business, right? Right. I don't see the cable companies taking kindly to that. Number one. Number two. The, the number of subscribers when people lauded Warner Brothers. We're going to day and date releases on for this year with their their movies in theaters and, and HBO Max and I had all these youngsters and there's no other word for them youngsters <laughs> telling me streaming's gonna kill the theatrical blah 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 blah. What has Warner Brothers said about day and date for 2022? 
it's not going to happen. Right. You're going back to the regular theatrical model. And, and it's possible that that won't happen later this year for Dune and maybe even The Matrix 4. They might cut that option out. Exactly. And the reason is they need that theatrical revenue. I realize the, the window for most re new releases has been cut to, what, 90 days? Actually, it's been, it used to be 90 it's days. Now it's, now it's like 45 or 60 days, depending on what. Guess what? Most, most movies make 90% of their money in that time. Sure. So, you know that. So, they're still going to get most of their money, but they need that money. And and, and, and what people who say streaming is going to kill theaters were thinking was, yeah, this is great. I'm like, no, it's not. One simple reason. Who's going to pay for those blockbusters? What's right. going to pay for those blockbusters? Same thing. If they're if they go to a streaming model only, that twenty three or streaming for uh, sports, that twenty three dollar model doesn't make sense because you still have to deal with rights fees, right? For and and those aren't going down; they're going up. You right. saw what happened with the NFL, the NBA. If you look at at, at 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 playoff ratings right now, they're up. Let's skip last year. Right, right. I'd prefer a, a comparison to 2019, considering what happened last year. But they're up 40%. And it's like the NBA is going to get paid again. Everybody's going to get paid again. And if you think you're going to get a regional sports network for $23, you're insane. And right. my last point in the, the column is that sports fans, they don't realize it. They won't admit it. Whatever. They're a minority. Right. They're a very loud minority, but they are a minority in, in, the, in the programming game. Because when, when you have – there was a survey out. I, I wrote another story about four months ago. There was a survey data I saw where only – 22% of cable TV subscribers watch ESPN regularly. Right. That tells me a lot. I don't know about you. If you're a huge baseball fan, great. Me, I have YouTube TV. Right. I don't miss not being able to watch the Indians because there's no way in hell I'm watching 150-something baseball games and filling out my schedule that way. Or in the case of the Cavaliers, 82 or 75 NBA, I'm just not doing it. Right. It's like and that may be due to the fact that I'm a sports writer, and when I pull away from my desk, um, I, I, I will pay attention to scores. I will look at highlights. I will check injuries. But I don't have to sit there and watch all that all the time. Right. So that's it in a nutshell. Yeah, I mean, and, and anybody that wants to, to read up on that, you can see that story from George in the Akron Beacon Journal online or in the paper uh, definitely a worthy read. You know, this is where the the whole Bally Sports streaming network doesn't really, really work for someone like me. Um, you know, I'm in Ohio, and I don't like any Ohio teams. So, um, you oh, know, they're hunt you down. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a I'm a Lions fan in the NFL. I'm a Marlins fan in baseball. Been so since they came in in '93. Um, I'm a Portland Trailblazers fan because of Brandon Roy in basketball. Uh, I'm a Red Wings fan in hockey. So I, I don't like Ohio sports. 
Now, obviously, I watched them, and I grew up watching Ohio sports because that's all that was available to watch when I was growing up. But that did not, you know, cement my love for the Cleveland Indians or the Cleveland Browns or whatever it may be, even though my family is diehard Ohio fans, Ohio State fans. I like Wisconsin and football. I'm a Bowling Green State Falcon, so that's my alma mater. I cheer for them. But I don't like Ohio State. I don't like Michigan. I don't like – so these you know, these regional networks <laughs> – <laughs> these regional networks make no sense to me. The only way that it would that it would is if you could maybe a la carte it and say, well, look, I like this team, this team, this team, and this team. If I can buy those teams for $23 a month, then I would be considering it. But at, as of right now, there's no, there's no reason for me to consider buying a Bally sports package where I'd watch the Indians, Cavs, and Columbus crew and whatever else, you know, Blue Jackets maybe or whatever – for $23 a month. That just doesn't make any sense for a person like me that's not a centralized fan of that state. But see, you can get your baseball through um, MLB, whatever it is. Right. Uh, same for hockey. If you want to buy the spring for all those packages, it's that's available. Out of market is available now. Right. But that's a lot of money, though, too. Yeah. Yeah, you, you notice the leagues aren't even giving it away. Right. I mean, but I have ESPN Plus, and I've actually had an opportunity to watch a lot more of my out-of-market teams. Not all the time, but I've been able to watch some Detroit Red Wings games. I've been able to watch some Portland Trailblazers games and, you know, things like that. So ESPN Plus, which is a part of my phone bill, I have it. It's not going anywhere unless I get to my phone bill, you know. For me, that's good enough for me because I can. I, sometimes I don't like watching my favorite teams because I, all I do is get frustrated by watching them. So sometimes it's fun to watch, you know, the 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 Braves and you know Phillies play or something on a ESPN Plus rather than the Marlins because I always get frustrated watching them anyway. The only reason I have ESPN Plus, guess why? Why? Max Sports for for work when when the Zips that's were on the road, right? And that's, that's one of the reasons why I was glad to get it, because Bowling Green used to be a lot on ESPN3. And then, you know, obviously then sometimes they'd be on CBS Sports Network. But since they're terrible at sports now, other than, you know, certain sports, football, they're terrible. But, yeah, sometimes that's the only way I can watch BG football is when it's on ESPN+. Plus. You lost to Akron. <laughs> I, believe me, I know. I know. And we're going to probably lose to Akron again this year. It's a, They've got a bad team, but um, – you know, I like what uh, Scott Leffler's doing there, though. He's building a program. He had to build a program from the ground up, basically, because that program was left in shambles. So, but yeah, it's frustrating to watch them on ESPN Plus. And of course, they play Ohio State coming up, too. So, uh, not this year, but next year. So, I'm kind of nervous about that. But, uh, well, the you know. Zip the sacrificial lamb this year. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's, uh, it's not it's not fun when you're the, uh, the small Mac schools getting the big payday to go to Columbus and get throttled. But, it's kind of an experience, I guess, and you know, and the athletic department likes those checks, though. So, hey. They do. They need those checks in the Mid American Conference. It helps pay the bills and support the program. So, but yeah, yeah, Bally Sports, in theory, it sounds. I mean, what do you think would be a reasonable, like, okay, let's say that you're a, a Cleveland fan, you're going to get Blue Jackets games in Columbus, you're going to get Indians, Cavs, maybe Columbus Crew if you like all sports all the time. What do you think would be a reasonable monthly rate for something like this? 
<laughs> I'm a movie guy primarily, you know right. that. Let's look, you know what, in all sincerity, given that I, I pay for Netflix and I pay for their, their best tier. Right. We're probably at that $18 a month range. Right. We're, we're probably right there, but it, again, economy of sc- economies of scale. And, right. and, and I'm never going to be that big of a sports fan. <laughs> it's, it's funny because, I, you know, and we talked about this with, uh, with Chris and Brandon on the Ohioan podcast, the, one of the daily episodes we had. And it's like, you know, Brandon said he would be willing to pay for Columbus Crew soccer because he's a Columbus Crew soccer fan. He's a season ticket holder, but he wants to watch them play when he can't go to the games and stuff like that, which I understand. But you just hit the nail on the head for me. You're paying $18 a month for Netflix and all that comes with Netflix. Now, yeah, they don't have live sporting events, and I know that this is the big caveat, but, you know, if you're if you're paying $18 a month for Netflix or 15 for HBO – or whatever it may be in your certain tier group, you're getting so much more content. And HBO Max, honestly, too, they're going to have hockey in the in the in the fall when that new TV deal kicks in with T with Turner Sports. Yep. Uh, Peacock has even had you know has had sports on. They're going to have the Olympics on Peacock. So Mount Plus has NFL football. Right. So I don't understand this this mindset that you need to charge twenty. I understand maybe they think you need to charge twenty three bucks because they need to pay licensing fees and things like that. But if you're paying all this money for just sports, I don't. That's a tough sell for me. Like I could see if they would say ten dollars a month, but maybe they'd be taking a huge loss doing ten dollars a month. Oh, I, I I don't know how you can justify more than ten, maybe fifteen, maybe fifteen. See, their dilemma is the NF, uh, the sports leagues have something that that no one else has anymore. Right. They are going to guarantee – the games are going to guarantee you eyeballs on your ads. It's, it's that simple. It's going to guarantee you that. Right. What live events do. Otherwise, everybody else. Let's let's be realistic. Everybody else is into time shifting. Everybody else is is into basically video on demand, for for lack of a better term. Right. I mean, the only the only thing I watch live anymore, or at least right now during the summer, is House Kitchen. That's okay. it. Yeah. During during the regular period from the regular quote unquote regular TV season, it's the two nine one one shows. Other than that, if I know I can get it when I want it, when I have free time to deal with it, that's what I'm doing. And mind you, the reason I'm on the higher tier for the services I pay for is because I don't want to see their damn commercials. It's it's worth a few extra bucks a month to me to not see commercials. Right. Well, I mean, it's... I'm sorry. (laughs) No, no, no. I mean, it's a, it's an interesting debate, you know, and obviously, you know, this Bally Sports thing is probably not going away, and it's probably something that they foresee happening next year. I don't know what kind of a, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know that anybody likes the Cleveland Cavaliers enough to say, yeah, that's my ticket, twenty three dollars a month to watch the Cavs. Dan Gilbert wouldn't pay twenty three bucks a month to watch the Cavs, and he owns the team. You might be shocked. You know what you with with Valley Sports, you need to pay attention to what happens happens with gambling in Ohio and elsewhere. Right. Because 
Ballet Sports, when they when they did the big rebrand earlier this year, they said that other potential revenue streams were included in-game betting. And it's like, right, right. they can't do that unless they get one of the licenses Licenses the, the state is going to be doling out. But they're, I'm sure they're going to push hard for it everywhere they can. Yeah. It seems pretty likely in Ohio that that's the, the path we're on. If something like that were to happen, do you think that would drop the price down a little bit at least? I mean, because you can still do advertising. You've got this extra, extra revenue stream with sports gambling, which is a huge revenue stream in many places. I mean, maybe if that would happen, they could drop the price down to a little bit seemingly more affordable for just sports only. Well, the, the thing is, if you drop it in Ohio, it's going to have to go down, be lower elsewhere, too. Right. You have a revolt on your hands with, with, with subscribers. True. So, I, you know, they, let, let's be honest. They could very easily toggle on a standalone app right now. They could toggle on the app, talk, flip it right now for, for, for people in general. There's a reason they have it. It's all economics, and it's all about sports betting, I think. Right. That's just my personal opinion. I don't know anything, but any it, just looking at it objectively and reason, reasonably, what else could it be? Right. Well, you know, it, it seems like we're probably not anywhere closer to a, an answer here from our perspective on how this is going to all play out. It looks like it's going to happen. I mean, maybe you're right. Maybe people will pay $23 a month because not they want to watch, you know, the Cavs and the Indians. I mean, it's a tough sell for me unless you could do a la carte where you could pick. Because they, they I think they're naive in thinking, though, that, Everybody that lives in Northeast Ohio is a Cavs fan or an Indians fan or whatever, because people are moving more and more these days from out of state, relocating for jobs or for college or for whatever. I just feel like they need to understand that the market isn't just 100% Cleveland Indians or 100% Detroit Tigers or you know whatever it may be. Well, I get in arguments with Indians fans fans all the time because I'm not a huge baseball fan. And anytime they throw ratings in my face, well, the Indians are, are, are the highest rated whatever in Major League Baseball. Okay. So in a market of 1.1 million homes, I think the local yeah. MA is in, 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 that, in that realm, they have like a seven, seven, seven point rating. Um, and they average 89,000 households. That's less than ten percent of the of the market, right? So i I understand it might be great for Major League Baseball, but in 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 reality, I don't think it's all that great. It speaks to that um, what I was talking about before. It's it just vocal minority, right? So let's see. Yeah. Well, they certainly haven't reinvested those high ratings into, you know, the salary. Boom! <laughs> I shouldn't say anything because I'm a Marlins fan, and they haven't reinvested anything into that franchise in 20 years almost. So, but um, they were looking to buy low and sell high eventually. Well, well, I mean, I, I don't think anybody would be upset if the uh, if anybody made a deal there. But, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, the Indians, I, yeah, I, I look, I, I watch them from time to time if I'm at my mom and dad's house and, you know, my dad loves watching cable 
watching the Indians. I get that. But, you know, there's more options these days. I think I think they, they'd be better off kind of hoping that you could do some sort of partnerships with – I really like the idea of Peacock having the Olympics on. You're going to get a bigger audience from that. I think it's going to help their streaming a little bit. You know, in the fall when the Turner Sports uh, – contract kicks in with the NHL, you're going to get NHL games on HBO Max, which is kind of a unique thing I think, for HBO Max to say, look, we've got all this library of HBO stuff, and we have live sports on now, too, which is pretty pretty crazy to think. So, I, you know, partnerships seem to be the way of the future. I don't know if there's a way to, to do this where you can partner up. And, you know, I know ESPN Plus, when they get the, the contract for the NHL, they're going to have where you can buy the NHL package through ESPN, much like you do with the UFC pay-per-views and things like that. So, you know, maybe partnerships like that where you can reduce the price a little bit because you have the rights and you're also selling other content and other people are subscribing because of that other content. Maybe you can drive prices down a little bit. Keep in mind, I think uh, with, with Turner, they're, they're going to have the NBA too on HBO. Right. So, yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. Yeah, I'm well, skeptical at <laughs> best. Well, I'm sure you'll be keeping us up to date. Obviously, everybody, if you if you want to read George's content, Akron Beacon Journal, uh, you can obviously subscribe to the online version if you're out of the area. You can also visit George by George Thomas on Twitter to see some of his uh, stories that he posts as well. Always can read his uh, his great film reviews like Luca and F9 recently and then of, of course brown's coverage akron zips coverage so definitely we encourage everybody to, to go out and uh, read george there on akron beacon journal but also listen to us here today on the ohioan but uh, george we definitely appreciate your time i'm sure we'll be talking to you very soon about uh, the next action blockbusters that are scheduled to come out uh let's see next i'm on vacation the next two weeks we'll uh, we'll, we'll i won't forget you that's the best way to put it Send all me right, george. all right Appreciate you. Thanks for stopping by today. All right. Hi, I'm Jennifer Mooney. Welcome to what is our new Hope Interrupted podcast based on the work from our book, Hope Interrupted, that I co-authored with my good friend, Byron McCauley. Hey, Jennifer. You know, I'm looking forward to this podcast as much as I was look, looking forward to writing this book with you. We're hoping to interview some uh, high-impact folks as well as have a little fun. We're going to cover stories of hope to learn more about our podcast and our book, please visit www.hopeinterrupted.com.